Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, what's up? Happy Friday, everybody. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Want to book a tee time? Go to dancingrabbitgolf.com to 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. I'm actually pulling up their website. Just curious if you wanted to make a uh, last-minute trip, if they've got any uh, any tee times open tomorrow or Sunday. My guess is that they do. Um, I don't know. I'll check on that, and I'll get back to you later in the show. But uh, it would be a great place to uh, get away for the weekend or a weekend coming soon. The redesigned or the uh, renovated clubhouse, renovated, uh, re- renovated, ooh, can't talk. That's going to be tough for three hours. Azalea's course with uh, rebuilt bunkers. Everything looks great right now at Dancing Rabbit Golf. You can visit them again online at DancingRabbitGolf.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Hey, Dad is off today. Um, no Foo Fighters today. I can't remember Although, what this I, is for. I was so disappointed in him. I've never seen the Foo Fighters, despite being a big fan. And when we asked how it was, that was good. I was like, I was hoping for, you know, tell me what songs they played. Like, give me something more. What was Dave Grohl like? What was the new drummer like? And that oh, was good. I was like, ah, I wanted to feel like I was there. And and you gave me nothing. That That is somebody that I've got to see. I, just, I yeah. have to see him. I, I feel like you would come away from that far more excited. Than, but he did tell us, he did tell us in advance. He's like, I'm not a big live music guy. He's like, I like the Foo Fighters. Fine. This is for my wife. Yeah. It sounded like she had a good time. Yeah. So. I, I love, and, and I don't go to enough of them. It's a weird deal with me. I love live music, and I don't do it enough. And I'm going to make it a point moving forward to, to go to more shows. Like, Moon Taxi's a band you don't know. They, they were in town a few weeks ago. I Wait, what? I, I didn't just, know. You're just making an assumption there? <laughs> I mean, you might, but no, probably not. Uh, they, they do come through Oxford every now and then, so you probably like saw it on the marquee at the Lyric or something one day and didn't think okay. anything of it. But uh, I didn't find out until I was walking into a barbecue restaurant where they had a poster on the wall advertising that their show was that day starting at the exact time I was walking into the place. So like, I made a Facebook page just so I can like follow community events and stuff. That That's where I am 
in, in my age. It's I, I need to follow community events on Facebook to know when stuff's happening around here. <laughs> that's, that's the level that I've reached now. But I'm yeah. going to do that more because COVID especially, I mean, that was we were all talking about sports, but my fear was what's live music going to look like moving forward? And it's back, obviously, in a big way, and I need to take advantage because I, I just don't. I've never been a big live music guy. I, I'm like I'm not anti-concert, but we just do that very, very rarely because Jane also falls into the category of not really caring that much about concerts. I've been to a handful of Jimmy Buffett concerts and love those. Maybe you roll your eyes at that. Um, I've seen Leonard Skinner. I've seen Alabama. I've seen, oh, goodness gracious, forever ago, Alan Jackson. I almost saw Morgan Wallen. Um, almost. <laughs> Gave it a go. I guess I saw Hardy uh, at Vaughn Hemingway Stadium. Uh, let's see here. Long time ago at the Orpheum in Memphis, Mark Cohn. A little, uh, little walking in Memphis. Yeah. That's kind of okay. cool. Yeah, Orpheum is a great venue. Yeah, it is. But we are we are far more likely to go see a show than we are to go see a show like you would go see. I hear you. So more Broadway musical type stuff than uh, live music. Yeah. And the, the new amphitheater here has helped, although, like, widespread but, but, panic came through. And I know yeah. I get a lot of shout-outs for playing panic, because I like some of their stuff. But but here's my issue with bands like widespread panic, seeing them in person. Their set list, they, they post all their set lists online, and I have friends that went, and they were, you know, sharing it and whatnot. They played a song for 82 minutes. One. One song. For 82 minutes during that show. I would get, I'd get bored. It's like, guys, move on to the next one. Like, this is great. <laughs> but, it's like, that, that's cool that you can do that, but yeah. let's not. <laughs> um, but, but I do want to. I do want to clarify, though. I have an unbelievable amount of respect for bands and musicians and their ability to put on live shows. There are so many moving parts to a good show. The lights and all the technical stuff and the choreography and the backup singers and the band that goes with whoever the lead is and all of that stuff. Yeah. And it's fascinating to me. And, you know, it's something that's so far removed from anything that I think I'm capable of. Like, Borky, there's never a time or rarely a time that I don't feel comfortable with a microphone in front of me. It's Kind of what we do for a living, right? Yeah. I mean, I talk into a microphone uh, for for a living, whether it's on this radio show or on television or working with Ole Miss, doing a live game on the radio, whatever that is. But the idea of singing with a bass guitar and a lead guitar and drums and maybe a steel drum over on the side and a keyboard and a piano and yeah, all of these things and making all of that work together and entertain people in the process, that is that is kind of a foreign concept to me. At the uh, at Steve Azar's golf tournament a couple of weeks ago, on Friday night they do the big event or the big show, uh, the, the big night, I think is what they call it. And they do a live auction, and there's food, and everybody's hanging out, and it, it's a really good time. And then Steve plays. And then after he's done, he starts to kind of bring in some other people that are either friends that are musicians or people that have traveled with him that he's played with and they've played with him before and some independent, and it's incredible. Look, Azar is unbelievable. You can like his music or not like his music. 
But you can't just kind of stand at the back of a room that he's playing in and watch him and not be blown away by his talent. And and so one other thing, and I'm not just trying to prop up Steve Azar here. You can listen to his show Mississippi in a Mississippi Minute, uh, what, uh, 2 to 3 on Thursday and Friday afternoons. I'm sorry, not 2 to 3, 1 to 2 on Thursday and Friday afternoons here on, on Super Talk. Great interviews with some of his friends and uh, people that he knows all across the country, uh, all walks of life, just really, really cool stuff. But years ago, Jane was involved with uh, with Junior Auxiliary in Oxford, and she was an officer, and they went to, a, a, it was either a state convention or a regional convention or something. Yeah, she and three or four other women that live here in Oxford went to that. And Steve Azar was the entertainment. But it wasn't a deal where he like had his entire band and was playing a show for them. It was a sit on a stool with a guitar on his hip and a microphone in front of him, and he just went back and forth between telling stories and playing acoustic stuff. And she said it was one of the coolest things she had ever seen in person. Those are fun shows. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Benji Davis did that once uh, in Oxford, but the, the storytelling wasn't particularly good. He, he had <laughs> he, he had been enjoying himself in town a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, I love that stuff, man. C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. You want to be part of the conversation, you can jump on and join us there. Cspire.com for everything, whether it's wireless internet, wireless phones, business IT services, they've got you covered at cspire.com. Dwayne, not a big concert guy, says the last concert I went to was the Jackson 5 in the 70s. Or wow, maybe, Dwayne, you just said... I don't know that it's going to get any better than this. I'm just going to hang up the concerts from uh, there on. Lisa and Clara sends us a message. She says, Tina Turner, 1993. What's love got to do? Yeah, stop. I'll stop. That was your last one, Lisa? Wow. Mm. Uh, Ray Long Beach says, I've run live sound off and on for 40 years, really enjoying the band I'm working with now on the coast. That's one of the things to me that's amazing. So... Borky, when you think about a live event, even if it was in a bar when you were in college, there was always the big sound board in the back, and the sound yeah. guy was running the knobs. Don't have to have that anymore. The, uh, the the sound engineer at Azar's event and a couple of other things that I've been involved with in the last couple of years, he's got an iPad, and he has a full digital mixer on the iPad, and he can wow. adjust levels, whatever he needs, Right there, just doop, 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 doop. Yeah. and he can move around to different spots in the room to you know to balance speakers or it, it's pretty incredible. Uh, Thomas in Greenwood, Maryland, Manson, nineteen ninety seven. Okay, Adam in Monticello said he saw Carrie Underwood at the Dixie National Rodeo at the beginning of her career. Yeah, that'd be a pretty big get for Dixie National at uh, at this point. She's uh, she's one of those that's kind of at a different level than she was when she um, had just finished up on American Idol. One more, Bobby and Bateful, 1999 San Antonio, Black Sabbath reunion tour. He says it was unreal. Heck yeah. There was a ball game last night, and it was epic. Just how epic? We will discuss next Sports Talk Mississippi. Next to you, hey, I'd be lying. 
Mississippi. Do you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this Friday afternoon. Got a lot of seasoned vets on the text line right now. In the uh, in the music department? Yeah, we got sent one list from Delta Danny of the bands he saw in a four-year window when he worked... Oh gosh, what did he call it? I had the list up. Uh, Stage Door Security. This list is unbelievable. I mean, it's got every like classic rock band you've wanted to see on it. From ACDC to Motley Crue, Bon Jovi, uh, REO Speedwagon, and then like Run DMC and Reba McIntyre. But, I mean, this list is three columns long. I, I am so infinitely jealous of you, I can't describe it. It's really good stuff. Because this was like in all these people's heyday, too. Like when they were really good. You don't want to see Motley Crue right now. You don't want to see Motley Crue right now. Vince Neal has uh, not been taking care of his body. Let's put it that way. He's no Mick Jagger. No. (laughs) No, no, he's not. Fountain of Youth. That's the uh, the one guy that has found it. He's Mick something, just not Mick Jagger. Let's put it that way. All right, Sports Talk Mississippi, College World Series last night. One year to the day, I think, after we saw one of the best pitching matchups that you could imagine and one of the best individual performances you could imagine, when Ole Miss and Arkansas met, in a winner advances to the championship game or championship series, loser goes home situation. It didn't have the same billing. First of all, the game was played in the afternoon instead of at night, which I still don't know why, but whatever. It was cool for our show because, Borky, I think you were out that day, I think. Or were you in the – no, you were in the studio that day. Mm-hmm. And hey, Dad and I – plopped on the couch in my office, and we did the show, and we basically watched along with those of you that were listening and watching at the same time. That was the game where Dylan DeLucia... Well, hold on. We'll get to that game in a second. So so, so the backdrop here, the premise here is Ryan McGee and others. And Ryan McGee's really talented, really good writer. And he's been a college baseball guy for a long time writing about last night's game being maybe the greatest of all time at the College World Series, certainly in the conversation for greatest of all time at the College World Series. And I do think it's in the conversation. I am not a College World Series historian the way Ryan or so many other people, probably some people that cover the College World Series for the Omaha World Herald or some local entities that have been just going forever. 
would be better suited to really walk through the history of the World Series and talk about best games of all time. Last night's game, no doubt, should be in the conversation. But if you immediately say it's the best game in the history of the College World Series, are you a prisoner of the moment? If you didn't watch last night, you missed an unbelievable baseball game. LSU won one to nothing on a walk-off home run by Tommy Tanks. Oh, it was two. There was a man on. That's right. I forgot. They won. T- I, I keep forgetting that there was a man on base. Like even in real time, I forgot that there was a man on base. Two-run home run. They win it two nothing. It was the identical score to Ole Miss, Arkansas a year ago. It just took longer. It took 11 innings. Similarities. There are a lot of similarities between the exact same game that took place a year ago and last night's game. You thought about this? So so LSU wins 2-0. Both starting pitchers were incredible. Rhett Lauder, two-time All-American for Wake Forest, seven innings, three hits, Two walks, six strikeouts. LSU, Paul Skeens, eight innings, two hits, one walk, nine strikeouts. And oh, by the way, became the SEC's single-season strikeout king, passing Ben McDonald in roughly 30 fewer innings, which is pretty incredible in its own right. Nine strikeouts in the game last night. But I was thinking about this earlier today. How was last night's game, other than the fact that it went to extra innings, really any different? And and to me, there are only two things that are different. One, it went to extra innings. And two, there was a more dramatic ending in that there was a walk-off home run to win it, to break a scoreless tie in the bottom of the 11th. But that Ole Miss-Arkansas game from a year ago, Ole Miss got a run in the fourth and a run in the seventh. That was it. Two runs on seven hits for Ole Miss. Arkansas, no runs, four hits. Connor Nolan took the loss in the game for Arkansas. He worked eight innings, gave up two earned runs with seven strikeouts and no walks. Dylan DeLucia, nine innings, four hits, seven strikeouts, no walks. I'm not trying to take away from one or the other, because last night, did you just sit there glued to it? Oh yeah, I, I, those two pitchers were were special, and everybody was focused on Skeens, and understandably so. But but man, Louder shut down a better lineup, much better lineup, one of the best offensive baseball teams in recent history. And he cruised through them. I mean, just cruised through them. Um, Yeah, I was glued to it. Watched every pitch. I'm like you, though. Some of the... Even before the walk-off, I saw, Oh my gosh, this is the greatest baseball game of all time! (sighs) Take a step back and think about it. It was great, but there's some eye of the beholder that goes along with it. There are a lot of people, I'm not one of them, but there are a lot of people who a one nothing baseball game, a 2 nothing baseball game, is a boring game. It just is. Like, I want to see offense. 
Yeah. And so if you are a person that likes offense in college baseball, you may be able to appreciate what happened last night, but go, I, I can't make that the greatest game of all time because nobody could hit. What's well, because the pitching was great? I understand that, but nobody could hit, and that's half of baseball. Half of it's pitching, the other half of it's hitting. Yeah. And there was no hitting. And so for that reason alone. Now, if you had like a 4-4 game that went 11 innings that ended with a walk-off home run, maybe now we're talking. For somebody it's like, I need to see some offense if we're going to talk about the greatest game of all time. Now, the opposite end of the spectrum would be that Arizona State-Southern Cal game that we talked about a couple of weeks ago where it's like, no, that can't be the greatest game of all time because there was no pitching. It was right. nothing but offense in a live bat era. And, and so maybe it's you got to be, but Borky, some individual plays in that game last night. M- Morgan won the game. Trey Morgan he won the game. made maybe the single most athletic play I've ever seen a first baseman make in my life. And I don't think that's prisoner of the moment stuff. I mean, think about that. Safety squeeze, runners at the corners, scoreless ball game, a really, really good bunt. Yeah, executed perfectly. Trey Morgan was holding the runner at first, so it's not like he was already three or four steps in on the grass. On a dead sprint, fields it at ground level, pulls it up, doesn't make a throw. It's a, it's like a push shuttle. It's like, it's like a Utah pass in football. Right at the line of scrimmage, throws it perfectly to the catcher, who then makes a great sweep tag. Milazzo does. Is there any other first baseman in college baseball that could have made that play? Mm. I mean, maybe there's one out there that we've never seen before, but I, I have not seen a first baseman other than the one that did it last night show the ability to make a play like that. Shaq Bully in Biloxi says, don't look now, but you just made my argument against soccer. But you need scoring for it to be great. I I, I get that, Shaq Bully. There's a balance, uh, because not every high-scoring football game is great either. If you have 49-45, doesn't mean you have a great game. It just means you have a close game. Close does not equal great all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in the middle. Last night, I appreciated the pitching, which was exceptional. I did fall a little bored, though. And I'm really weary of greatest game of all time when not a single run was scored in the time allotted for a regular baseball game. But like 10 to 9 also doesn't qualify either. I need a balance. I need a little bit of both. Like 28, 31 28 is a great football game to me, generally speaking. 4 to 3 is a great baseball game to me, too. We'll pick up this conversation when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV in the Pearl River Resort Studio. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. I'm the 
I just want to be clear that I'm not arguing that last night's game was not great. I'll tell you how good and entertaining it was. My 13-year-old daughter sat there and watched the last four or five innings of the game. Like, in just rapt attention. And and Francis, who's six, sat in my lap and watched about two innings of it. She didn't stick with it all the way till the end, but she was... She was re- I, and brother, I mean, the question machine was rolling last night. You know. Yeah. You know, it starts out, which team are you cheering for? Oh, that's the team I'm cheering for, Daddy. And it's like, neither. I'm just watching the game is not an acceptable answer. Nope. So, you, you know, you have to pick a team. And then it was, you know, which team does the umpire play for? <laughs> Ask LSU fans. Probably has, yeah, probably has a different answer depending on who you ask. And, you know, it was just, and it was like, I could tell it was frustrating Ava Montgomery that Francis was asking so many questions. And I thought for a second I was about to get frustrated. I was like, no, 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 stop. This is one, it's how you learn. And two, my six-year-old daughter is sitting in my lap asking me questions about baseball. There's nothing not to like about this situation. Even if it's a lot of questions that don't make any sense, it's all good. So, a bunch of messages. And one of them was, it went to extra innings, scoreless, and you had a walk-off home run. It was an infinitely better game than the Ole Miss-Arkansas game from, from a year ago. I don't know about infinitely better, but your point, I think, is a good one in the sense that when you talk about the greatest game of all time, or one of the greatest games of all time, I'll use the phrase that I used earlier, Borky, there's some eye of the beholder in this. So what style of game do you like was was what I was talking about a second ago. But how are you invested? Right? I mean, is it? are you just watching as an innocent bystander? Are you a fan of the winning team? Are you a fan of the losing team? The fact that I'm a fan of the team that won that two to nothing game a year ago that had one of the most brilliant pitching performances you could ever imagine from Dylan DeLucia probably shades the way I look at it a little bit. But it still was a great game. Yeah. Um we've had a couple of people first Benny in Starkville, State's win versus Texas was a greater game because there was some back and forth. And then somebody else sent us a message reminding us about, oh, uh, here's one, 4-3 was the score of Mississippi State's walk-off versus Texas to advance to the finals in 2021. So what would the argument for that game be? Back and forth, had a little bit of offense. Texas scored first on a two-run home run. Mississippi State answered an inning later with a run. Texas extended their lead to three to one in the fifth. State answered with a run in the fifth to make it three to two, a run in the sixth to make it three to three, and then they won it four to three on Tanner Leggett's single out to left field. Braylon Skinner scored, and it, he's not a starter, but I had to pull up the box score to jog my memory. Uh, Landon Sims. Well, the combination of Will Bednar and Landon Sims. Yeah, and, and Sims shut the door. I mean, God, remember how dominant he was. When Bednar he came into the game, it was over. on short rest, and then you hand it off. And remember, what? Prior to the postseason, Landon Sims had had one outing where he worked more than a win, uh, where he worked more than an inning. And it was against Ole Miss in a rivalry game. 
And then when they got to the postseason, they started stretching him out a little bit, and you're like, hmm. He was okay. so special. It was game it was. over. Uh, I mean, my gosh. But, yeah, see, that's the kind of game that uh, – you know what you saw last night? A lot of casuals. That, that That's what you saw. Um you know that show Crane and Company? It's on the they, it's on the Daily Wire actually, but they've got a huge following. It's it's just like a sports show. They started as a college football show, and then the Daily Wire picked them up. Like the the host of that show today is like, wait, why aren't they playing the championship series on a week rest? It's like, well, welcome to college baseball. Now I'm not going to shame people for just now watching college baseball, but that's how it's been. You know that, that's how it always is. That's part of the strategic deal with what we talked about. Do you or do you not pitch Paul Skeens on shorter rest because you want to have him earlier in the championship series? That, that's that's part of this. It's always been part of it. A lot of casual watchers last night, and the television number tells you 2.1 million people watched that game last night. Record for a non-championship series game. That's big time. That's big. Um, the NBA draft never does well, but 2.7 million for the NBA draft last night. Only 600,000 people difference between a non-championship game and the National Basketball Association's draft. That, that, I mean, that's tight. And so I think a lot of that, back to the original point, was prisoner of the moment. Oh, this is the greatest game ever. No, it's maybe the greatest dueling pitching performance you've seen, but that stadium has seen better baseball games in the past. Pitched by great pitchers with great hitters and great teams and big brands and all the stuff that you ask for. Was that the peak or was that the average viewership? That's average. That is average. That's huge. Yeah. And that's, with all due respect, but that's with Wake Forest. Wake Forest doesn't, that's not a brand. They're their best team, but that that doesn't have an automatic draw. That's exactly right. And I I actually meant to say that a second ago when you start talking about, you know, the greatest of all time. When you say Mississippi State and Texas playing in a game where the winner advances to the championship series, that's two big college baseball brands. I have no idea what the TV viewership numbers were. Think about this. You had that kind of viewership on a Thursday night against the NBA draft with relative to softball, no promotion from ESPN. And it did 300,000 viewers more than the softball championship series averaged. And that almost never happens. Yeah. It's yeah. growing, man. It really Base, is. College baseball is growing. It is. It absolutely is. Hey. How special was Paul Skeens last night? But also, but also, Borky, how good is Wake Forest offense? Paul Skeens this year struck out eight against South Carolina in three innings. That was his shortest outing of the year. That game was cut short by lightning. The outing was by a long lightning delay. He struck out nine against Alabama on April 28th. He struck out three and three and two-thirds against Arkansas in the SEC tournament, and they couldn't get him out of that game fast enough. He struck out nine against Kentucky. So prior to last night, in uh, how many starts was it? 
Last night with his it was his sixteenth start, I think. And so in his fifteen starts, he had struck out double digits in eleven of his fifteen games. <laughs> Didn't get the double digits last night against Wake Forest in nine innings. I'm sorry, in eight innings. He had nine strikeouts in eight innings last night. Listen, so strikeouts this year for Skeens, 1.7 per inning. Almost two of the three outs per inning pitched this year for Paul Skeens were strikeout. He had 12, 11, 13, 12, 11, 12, 12, 8, 13, 11, 9, 15, 13, 12, 3, outlier, 12, 9, 12, 9. Don't know if we'll see him again this year or not. If it goes to a game three, I don't see there's any way you're keeping Paul Skeens off the mound if it happens on Monday night. But you're not going to see him on Saturday or Sunday. No, probably not. We did get asked earlier, by the way, why did uh, Wake Forest make that pitching change? Uh, because they went to their best guy. And their best guy just hung one and gave up a two-home run. But, th- but that's their best No, no, I think, they're talking, I think they're talking about why do they pull Rhett Louder? After seven. Because he had only thrown 88 pitches in the game. I mean, it's got to be a deal where they know their guy. He's a first-round pick in a month. You're still protecting him. He told his coach he was out of gas. He was out of gas. And and you you still, even in a situation like that, regardless of how good the game is, you, you make the decision that's best for the health of your player. And, oh, by the way, they have a sub-three staff ERA and a really, really good bullpen. And look, Manasi came in the game, and he's been so incredibly elite for them as their closer this year. Probably the best closer in college baseball, certainly in the conversation. And Tommy White ambushed a first-pitch slider. White said after the game he was looking for a fastball. He didn't get a fastball, and he just threw his hands at it. He's got pretty good hand-eye coordination because it exploded off the sweet spot on the barrel of the bat and traveled about, what, 385, 390 feet, something like that? And that was his 99th and 100th RBI of the season. It was great. Money well spent, man. worth it. The three biggest contributors in that game last night for LSU were transfers. We'll be back. What we're going to do right here is go back. Now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. Friday afternoon, thanks for being with us. Bob and Summit says, did you guys notice during the game last night when the camera was focused on the Wake Forest starting pitcher, Rhett Louder, he was either rubbing, massaging, or holding his pitching elbow. Camera singled him out several times. 
I don't guess I noticed that. Did you? Uh, no, I didn't. Which is weird because I was glued. Yeah. Mike in Oxford says Wake Forest has pulled its starter after the seventh inning all season long. Because they got a great bullpen. Yeah. They don't overtax arms and, and they're really, really good. And look, pretty much every decision that Wake Forest makes as it pertains to pitching is scientifically based and data driven. They are kind of the the leaders on the pitching lab front. You you've heard that talked about a lot. And have hired data scientists to analyze it all and they're using a bunch of different like it's really advanced stuff. And so I'm sure Tom Walter from time to time makes a gut decision. But a lot of those decisions that they're making are just they're just based on numbers. And when it's time, it's time. Brett Lauer was so good. Yeah, he was. I don't know how so he pitches good. with that hair. They showed yeah. slow-mos, and it was getting in front of his face as he's going through his wind-up. It's like, if he cuts that, imagine how much better he could be. I don't know. There was the whole Samson thing. No one would lose his strength by cutting his hair. True. What was the golf? Was it Craig Stadler that, that lost a bunch of weight and, and realized he couldn't play golf at, at a high level, so he put it all back on? I think it was him. I, I don't know. There was a professional golfer that his whole life had been a, a hefty guy. And as you can imagine, when you hit hundreds of balls a day and play as a professional, you get used to a certain swing. Then he lost weight, mm. and it altered his swing so much that he was like, I can't play, and put weight back on. I can't remember who it was. I swear it was him, though. It may very well have been. The walrus. I mean, that would make sense. It's one of those swings where you had to kind of get around the belly, and once there was no belly to get around, maybe it, maybe it altered you your up. swing path and, uh, and kind of messed things up. We got a lot this afternoon. We got a couple of teams to get to in the uh, countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. We've got the college football fix coming for you in the five o'clock hour. Uh, it is also a food Friday, so we'll do that coming up at 20 minutes after five today, and uh, and a whole lot more. I'm excited about one of our teams, and it's not the one you think, because their coach, and maybe maybe we'll focus on this, maybe we won't, but their coach had some quotes today that I hope he follows through on. Because if he does, he'll be doing the one thing that you and I both separately have said needs to happen, and it involves tampering. And I, okay. I hope he's telling the truth, and I hope he's going to follow through, because he's hot. And not Pat Narduzzi hot. He's more confidently hot. He's not complaining. He's being proactive. So hope he follows through. The two teams that we are going to get to this afternoon are Michigan State and UAB. So make your guesses. I think I know exactly who you're talking about. And uh, what does he have to lose? You're going to complain. Name names. So we will uh, We will see. Back with you uh, in a uh, well, we've got a little bit of time left before we go to uh, to a break this afternoon. Apparently it was you. Stadler, by the way, who who lost the weight, couldn't swing, and then put weight back on so he could swing again. Yeah. Because you bet, like, Bartolo Colon. Do you think Bartolo Colon ever thought, I need to lose some weight, and then screw up his pitching motion? 
You know, maybe the only guy that I can think of that lost a significant amount of weight and probably got better, or at least didn't lose anything, was CC Sabathia. You remember Man, how much he, he slimmed down? He was a joy to watch. Yeah, he was. He was. And kind of liked by it. He took a break for some issues, that some substance abuse issues that he was having, and then came back and lost some weight and was, was really good. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them out online at visitoxfordms.com. A week ago today, we were out at M-Trade Park uh, as part of our partnership with M-Trade Park and uh, Visit Oxford. Great things happening there. Uh, visit the events page on the Visit Oxford website, visitoxfordms.com. Find out all that is happening Busy this weekend. you got a lot of orientations going on, a lot of people in town and moving about and on the square and in the restaurants and in the hotels, so good things happening. And don't forget, you've got the uh, Sunday night sunset series that continues this week in the Grove with uh, live music and a uh, great family atmosphere. That's visitoxfordms.com. Be sure to follow them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Four o'clock hour coming up next. Richard Cross, Michael Borke, and you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. go the college world series began there has not been an off day since today is an off day as we get set for the championship series between lsu and florida which begins tomorrow night and teddy cahill is kind enough to spend a few minutes with us this afternoon on his off day joining us on the farm bureau guest line check out favorites.com and go with the home team mississippi farm bureau teddy of course writes at baseball america he's been a frequent guest over the last few years with us on uh, on sports talk mississippi and, Teddy, we appreciate it, man. Great to catch up. What a College World Series it has been so far. And last night, the uh, kind of the icing on the cake. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a really fun one out here uh, from start to finish so far. I mean, so many one-run games. And uh, last night was, uh, was just an absolute instant classic of a, of a baseball game. So, Borky and I spent some time on this in the in the first hour, kind of not so much debating, but but sometimes we're prisoners of the moment, and yet a lot of people that were oh, greatest game that's ever been played in the College World Series, and that's obviously a, a subjective opinion. Uh, where does it rank in in terms of the games that you've seen? Obviously, it was an epic game, an instant classic, as you just called it a second ago. But is it the best game that's ever been played in Omaha? So, I mean, one of the tough things about this is. Like you go to like a game like the Warren Morris game, and yeah. that's for the actual championship. This was to go play for the championship. So how do you like balance the stakes, which were very very high, but will get higher from here? And you know, so you think about like Arkansas and Oregon State game two in in 2018, or you know the Warren Morris game, or you know th- there have been just like really good games in finals or 
or back when it was just a single game championship. So it was, it was good. It's just kind of hard to, to compare that. Like it's, I wouldn't say it's apples to oranges, but it's, it, it's like, you know, Granny Smith to Red Delicious Apple or something like that. They're, they're slightly <laughs> different. And you really do have to kind of pick your flavor of like, well, how much do you care about the stakes of the game itself? You know, I, I, I kind of feel like there was a missed opportunity. Obviously, the broadcast last night focused on the game that was happening, but we were talking about this uh, just a little bit ago. This is the third consecutive year that you have had a single game on the Thursday for one team to go to the championship series. And each of the last three years, that game has been spectacular. 2021, Texas-Mississippi State, Bulldogs walk it off with a 4-3 win in the bottom of the ninth inning. Last year you had the Dylan DeLucia game for Ole Miss where he pitches the nine-inning complete game shutout, uh, and Ole Miss wins that one 2 to nothing. And then last night, 2 to nothing in 11 innings. It's like this has been the game of the tournament. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said for that. Uh, you know, and it, it's, uh, I, I had kind of forgotten that 2021 game because it was a little bit overshadowed by the events of the previous night slash early morning. Uh, but last year with, with Luch, I mean, like that was incredible. Uh, you know, what he did from a pitching performance, like that was the, that was the performance of the tournament. And yeah, like we just got the game of the tournament in all likelihood. So, uh, maybe there is something to this, uh, this specific spot in, uh, in the calendar. I'm racking my brain. What happened the night before? Oh, that was when NC State got kicked out. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, that was also a uh, big deal, and Vanderbilt was able to go to the championship series without having to play for it. And then the crazy thing is none of the games in the championship series in 2021 that year were very competitive. Vanderbilt won big in the first one, and then State won big in the, the next two, and then last year it goes only uh, only two games. When, yeah, I mean, the the pitching matchup last night was one of the best of all times, like on paper yeah. coming into the game. But, like, you only had to go back two years to game three in 2021 to find two, like, prospects at the level that we saw last night. Uh, obviously, Skeens kind of distorts things. But, uh, yeah, that Bednar-Rocker matchup in, in game three turned out to be a dud. Yeah, it uh, it actually did. Um the one thing that I did think that we got last night, there was, within the college baseball community, there was a lot of buildup to that game because it was the two teams that had been number one. It was the third time they had met in a week. And it was, you know, arguably the two best pitchers in college baseball. I don't even know if there's an argument. The two best pitchers in college baseball this year going head to head. It's rare that when you've got that much hype for a game that it lives up to it. I did think that it absolutely lived up to the hype. And both of those pitchers last night were just as good as they possibly could be. Yeah, yeah, I, I think all of that's fair. I mean, the the it's hard to live up to the hype that was was created, but those guys did it. I mean, Skeens, eight innings, you know, just two hits, nine Ks, and Louder matching him almost pitch for pitch. And like, I think it was really cool that it's two guys going about it in two very different ways. You've got Skeens pumping a hundred, and you've got Louder like out there painting corners, and uh, you know, just showing that like you don't have to. You can be successful in multiple different ways in college baseball and in, in pro baseball, but th- those two guys, just masters of their own craft. So obviously Wake Forest has a huge amount of trust in its bullpen. They had their best guy out there at the end of the game. We, we know that out of the bullpen. Was there any explanation as to, to why Rhett Lauder came out of the game after seven when he was sitting on 88 pitches? Uh, that was actually not really asked. I, I He's not a guy that goes – 
terribly deep. They're a little more in the, like, give it what you've got, and then we'll go to the bullpen because we really like the bullpen. They're kind of in that boat, and he was on you – know, those guys were both on slightly shorter rest than normal. So I think it was mostly that, but that that did not actually get asked post-game with Tom Walter. All right, so now we've got LSU and Florida coming up. They have not played each other this season, not in the regular season, not in the uh, the SEC tournament. When you think about this matchup coming up, what what's important for you? What, what, what are you looking at? What are you studying leading into this championship series? Well, I think game one is really important. Obviously, game one is really important in any championship series or you know anything in the postseason. But this one specifically, I think, really matters for LSU because Hurston Waldrop, who is the presumed game two starter for Florida, has been absolutely dynamite in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And I would not want to be facing him in a must-win scenario. So I, I think LSU's got to get off to a good start with Ty Floyd. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot talked about with LSU's pitching staff, how rested, like how are they going to manage it? Uh, so getting something out of Ty Floyd is going to be really important. And, you know, they didn't play this year, but they played a year ago and LSU beat Brandon Sprout. Now Brandon Sprout's gotten better. The LSU team this year is different than it was last year. Some of their guys have gotten better, but the guys that faced him a year ago probably are going to go in there with some confidence that, you know, they've seen it, they beat it a year ago. So, I, I really think there's a lot on Saturday night. Uh, again, that's not like groundbreaking analysis because teams that win game one usually win the series, uh, but it is. Uh, I, I think it's a significant deal this year. So, so, Teddy, we know that the rotation for Florida is going to be what it's been basically the entire season. It's going to be Sproat and then Waldrop, and then we'll see Jack Caglione if it goes to game three on Monday night. We know that Ty Floyd will go for LSU tomorrow night in, in game one. But what they do after that is is interesting to me. What's your best guess? Do they go back to Nate Ackenhausen, who had a career night? Do they go to Griffin Herring, who followed it up with a, an incredible performance, uh, I guess, two nights ago? they go a different route? What do you think they do in Game 2? I think it's got to be between Ackenhausen and Herring. Um, you know, I, I think that if somehow they didn't need Riley Cooper on um, – on Saturday, that he would be a, a strong option, but I just I don't really see a scenario in which Riley Cooper doesn't pitch on Saturday. Um, I think it's got to be one of those lefties. Heard throwing three innings last night probably means that it can't be him. That he would probably pitch some, but like it, it's it, if they think that Ackenhausen or Herring can get them deeper into a game, I, I would think that, that that would be where where it would start. Is there any doubt in your mind that if it goes to Monday night, Paul Skeens will take the mound again? I strongly believe he will pitch. I just don't know if they would choose to have him start the game or if they would rather finish with him. And I, I, I genuinely don't know how they would go, and some of that would probably depend on how many bullets he felt like he had that day. Yeah, because we've seen him go over 100 pitches twice. We've seen guys throw three times in the College World Series. We would have gotten that last year if Ole Miss had gone to a, to a Monday game. We would have seen Dylan DeLucia again. It didn't get to Monday. But that's really a, an interesting spot. I mean, if you go back to 2021 again, that's what we saw Mississippi State do with Will Bednar. He threw their first game, and then he threw in the, the must-win game on Thursday, and then he came back and pitched pretty well on that Monday night. Really well he did. on Monday night. Yeah, I mean, they, that's with the slightly elongated schedule. I don't remember if Mississippi State played in the first day of the tournament or the second. Um, but they, 
They, they were did the have day. the yes, okay. So, but they still had one extra day for him. Uh, I don't know how much that matters, but um, it would be. You know, Skeens threw 120 pitches uh, last night. I'm sure he will absolutely want the ball. It's just kind of a matter <laughs> of what what is it going to look like and how many pitches does he have on Monday if they can get it there. Teddy, 30 seconds left. Who wins it? Who's carrying the trophy off on either Sunday or Monday? I'm taking LSU. I, uh, I'm sticking with them. They were my preseason pick. They were my pick coming into this thing. I'm uh, I'm not hopping off the train now. Seems like as good a time as any to stay on board when they are this close. Teddy, thanks for joining us all season long. It's been fun. Appreciate your time and keep up the good work. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Teddy Cahill from Baseball America joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. (laughs) On Super Talk Mississippi. Teddy Cahill from Baseball America on the Farm Bureau guest line just a moment ago. If you missed that or missed anything on the show, you can always get it via podcast. The Sports Talk Mississippi podcast is free. It is available to you wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple and uh, Google Play. Uh, Richard Cross and Michael Borky, Brian Haydad is off today. We are glad to be with you. Pearl River Resort Studios, that's where we are coming to you from today. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Geyser Falls Water Park. Going to be warm this weekend. Hopefully the weather going to be good. And a way for you to get out, cool off, and have good fun with the family, visiting Geyser Falls Water Park. They've got the slides. They've got the lazy river. They've got the wave pool. They've got all the stuff that makes for a fun, fun day or weekend. You can learn more about them at pearlriverresort.com. You want to join us, you can do so on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from ceasefire business backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in ceasefire country. Let's go to the ceasefire text line. Borky, um, let's see, what have we got? Last night's game was in my top three or four. I enjoyed watching the two pitchers work their magic. It's just as entertaining to see two masters of their skill outmatch the batters. Saying that, LSU beating Miami in 1996 is my number one, and LSU beating Long Beach in 1993 are my top two. This is coming from a lifelong Alabama fan. I respect the game and the effort from all of the athletes. That's well said. Yeah. Yeah. The must-win game in 2021 was on a Saturday, not a Thursday. Hmm. Is that right? And they played the championship series on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday? Oh, they played it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That's right. Okay, so the first elimination game 
All right, okay. So the College World Series has moved up a day. The 2021 College World Series started on June 19th, which was a Saturday. Mississippi State played its first game on Sunday. They beat Texas 2-1. to And then they beat Virginia 6-5 to in a winner's bracket game on Tuesday, so two days later. Because they went 2-0, and they got the two days off. They played Texas. Texas had to beat Mississippi State twice. So they played on Friday, June 25th. And then they played on Saturday, June 26th. Great memory. And then Sunday was an off day, and the National Championship Series was Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. So the College World Series did not end until June 30th that year. This year it will end at the latest on June 26th, so four days earlier. Okay. I had forgotten that completely. I knew Mississippi State played on the second day of the start of the College World Series, but... Yeah, altered schedule and whatnot. Yeah. I'm still impressed by the number. I mean, competing against a major professional sports league's draft and still drawing that number is uh, is quite impressive. And it says a lot. Yeah, it does. It says college baseball is growing. Did you see the... And uh, LSU is a massive draw. They are. They are. There's... I don't know if it's a scandal or what. There's there's something brewing when it comes to the draft. By the way, uh, you know you know Shams, right? Shams and Woj, the two newsbreakers in, in NBA land. Well, Shams works for FanDuel in part. That that is who writes his paychecks. Well, Charlotte picked at number two. They picked Brandon Miller. And by the way, the video of the Hornets watch party when everybody's disappointed that they picked Brandon Miller is kind of funny. Because even the mascot, like, puts his hands up and then bends over in disappointment. Like, I, I found that bizarre. It's like, why are who, you sad? Who did they want? Uh, Scoot. Scoot okay. went three. And leading up to the draft, Shams put out there that Charlotte's actually highly considering Scoot. And they're going to have a final meeting to decide whether or not they're going to pick him. FanDuel, his employer, got a ton of action... On Scoot, which is a great name for a point guard, by the way, got a Scoot Henderson. Scoot Henderson played. Uh, what, what was he the Ignite? I think G League. Uh, he played uh, he one of them. He, when it says school, it just says USA. <laughs> he did go to sc- school in in America, I guess. Anyway, so his employer got a ton of action on Scoot Henderson going number two. Turns out after the draft. At least if you believe the reporting of Woj at ESPN, that was never going to happen. That Charlotte, for weeks, was zeroed in on Brandon Miller, and that's who they wanted. There was never any, we're going to go pick Scoot with Charlotte. And people are wondering, was that a quote-unquote reporter floating something out there to get a bunch of betting action on the guy that he knows is not going to get selected at number two. Makes you wonder. That's why I've always wondered why the sports books are getting into the news game. I mean, if you... Oh, you just put your tinfoil hat on. No, but 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 seriously, I, I went to journalism school, so did you. And, and I know, trust me, I know that news media isn't exactly 
uh, everybody's favorite thing anymore, and people uh, allow their biases to creep in when reporting on news, and it's a it's a serious problem. But there is a thing called conflict of interest. And when your employer is taking betting action and making money on players getting drafted and you float out there that this player's moving up a board and might go number two and then your employer takes a bunch of betting action and that person doesn't go number two, it's kind of journalism malpractice if, if you're being totally honest. It's hard to believe that Shams would stake his reputation on something like that because he has built a reputation yeah. as being one of the most reliable reporters of NBA news. I mean, you saying a second ago, Shams and Woj are the those are the two guys when it comes yep. to breaking news in the NBA. It's hard for me to kind of wrap. I mean, I know they're paying him a lot. Kind of hard for me to wrap my mind around the fact, though, that he would intentionally put out misleading news to try and drive a betting market. And because if he got caught, it ended his it would end his career. Absolutely. I, I'm with you. I, I don't buy it either, but the the fact that there's a system in place that allows ESPN to capitalize like heck off of that now, that that's a uh, at least a business misstep. Not ESPN, FanDuel. But ESPN now is kind of like, hey, oh, well, we don't yeah. have a sports book. Yeah. You, you, we're, we're not going to... So... If you were a FanDuel better, which legally you can't in Mississippi, go to Pearl River Resort if you're going to put some action on some games. Uh, but if you were a FanDuel customer, would you put action on the draft moving forward? I wouldn't. At least not based on information you get from Shams. Nope. That that would end that for me. Pretty Today. good night last night for the SEC. Really good night for Arkansas. So Brandon Miller from Alabama goes at number two. Anthony Black from Arkansas goes at 6. Payson Wallace from Kentucky goes at 10. You had Noah Clowney from Alabama go 21. You had Nick Smith Jr. from Arkansas go at 27. And then Kobe Brown. This is kind of cool. It's a fourth-year senior. Kobe Brown drafted in the first round. Taking by the Clippers with the number 30 pick out of Missouri. And then more SEC stuff in the second round. Julian Phillips from Tennessee was the 35th pick overall. Jordan Walsh from Arkansas was the 38th pick. And was there one more? I was thinking there was one more. Oh, yeah, Chris Livingston was the 58th pick. He was the last pick of the second round last night. Oh, and Gigi Jackson from South Carolina went to the Grizzlies at uh, number 45. Feels like Gigi Jackson cost himself some money. With the way he carried himself on the floor a year ago and the fact that never even considered returning to school. So I don't know if he had bad information. And and the reason we say bad information or if it was a bad decision, there's nothing guaranteed if you're a second-round pick. No, absolutely Really not. nothing guaranteed if you're picked in the later part of the first round. No. I mean, the roster's, if you're a lottery roster's pick, there. you're going to be good. But... I don't know. Yeah. No, that's tough. And and Did you see your boy Marty Smith last night? What were those pants, man? I do I do love how ESPN has decided uh, yeah, that were like tight and uh, anyway, I, I wouldn't be caught dead in those things. But I, I do love how ESPN has just decided, oh, we have to do something that is below the Mason Dixon line. 
Send Marty down there to do stereotypical Southern stuff. I like Marty. First time I've ever been in San Antonio, but man, there's a palpable whatever in the air in San Antonio. It's palpable because they got the number one pick in the uh, people says most not most can't miss guy since LeBron. To be on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, alongside Michael Borky. I'm Richard Cross. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Thanks for being with us. Let's continue the countdown. Let's start that right now. 100 teams in 100 days. This day is bananas. E-A-N-A-N-A-S. This day is bananas. 100 teams in 100 days. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. Team number 71, we go to the Big Ten, the Michigan State Spartans. for the most part, doesn't write the fight songs. And their fans are good. I've seen Michigan State's band, and it, it's not Ohio State's or anything, but it's just better. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. So Michigan State, a little bit of a roller coaster. I mean, everybody kind of throws out 2020 because it was a COVID year. Sparty went 2-5 and five in 2020. Their only wins came at Michigan, and then against Northwestern. And then in 2021, with a very heavy transfer portal roster, they were really good. 11-2 in 2021. And they closed out that 21 season in the Peach Bowl and beat Pittsburgh. But you remember Michigan State had a bunch of guys that opted out, and Pittsburgh had a bunch of guys that opted out, and that was not the marquee game that it could have been if all the players had played. In that 21 season, the only two losses were to Purdue. They lost that game by 11 on the road and at Ohio State, and they got beat down by Ohio State 56-7. to You remember that was the, uh, the team that had a uh, pretty good running back in Kenneth Walker, the Wake Forest transfer, who was just outstanding. So last year, Michigan State, no Kenneth Walker, and so that made things a little bit more difficult on the quarterback position. And Peyton Thorne, who was a redshirt freshman in 2020, was really good, and in 2021 was pretty good, took a big step back last year. Michigan State went 5-7 and seven last year. Their wins were against Western Michigan and Akron and Wisconsin in double overtime and Illinois on the road and Rutgers. They lost to Washington, Minnesota, Maryland, Ohio State. There was a four-game losing streak there. They lost at Michigan. They lost to Indiana, and they lost to Penn State. So what is Michigan State going to be this year? 
Well, first of all, they're going to be a team with a new quarterback, and we don't know who that quarterback's going to be. It's either going to be the sophomore Noah Kim or Kaiten Hauser. Kaiten Hauser, after uh, Peyton Thorne transferred to Auburn. I, so Sometimes, you know, people try to insert themselves. He, he recorded a video of basically claiming, well, he's gone, it's my job now, getting ready for Central, see you guys there, that kind of stuff. And it, and the reaction was, hold on, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know if it's you yet. Noah Kim actually had a little bit better spring than uh, Kaiten than Hauser. And Phil Steele, for his thoughts, thinks that Kim is going to be the starter, though he thinks that both will play. So you remember Mel Tucker's making a lot of money. Remember that? After that 11-2 and season, they were afraid they were going to lose Mel Tucker, and he is making a lot of money. And so 5-7 and seven won't fly, except for the fact that it's a fully guaranteed contract, isn't it? But wasn't it is. It was what? Every dollar guaranteed. Was it 10 years, 7.5 million, or was it more than that? Was it, it was, he was a 9 million guy. Yeah. That's right. So if you take out the 9 million that he made last year, they're still on the hook for 81 million? Yeah, it was a 10 year, 95, 10, a 10 year, $95 million fully guaranteed contract that if this year goes poorly, they're already going to want to get out of. So they would owe him $73 million if they wanted to get rid of him after a bad season this year? Mm-hmm. Matt Ishby has got big, deep pockets. He's the big reason that they got that deal done. I don't know if he's going to want to write a check for $73 million to just make a guy go away. So uh, I guess we'll see on that front. They open with Central Michigan, then play Richmond, so it should be another 2-0 and start. And then they got Washington at home and Maryland at home. How about that Washington game in week three, September 16th? I think we mentioned that earlier this week, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, that just one of those games that will sneak up on you, I think. I mean, that'll be a good test for Washington, too. People, hand up, think that that could be a sleeper for the playoff. But And I know Michigan State's not a particularly great team, but going on the road to East Lansing is not exactly a cakewalk. They host Maryland after the uh, the Washington game. And then they go to Iowa. Michigan State's won three of the last four against Iowa. Get an open date at almost the halfway point on October 7th. And it's a road game to Rutgers, home game against Michigan, road game at Minnesota, Nebraska at home, back-to-back road games at Ohio State and at Indiana. And then they close it out, not at home, but in Detroit, remember? Oh, yeah, because they're afraid of the cold. They're going to play Penn State at Ford Field in Detroit on Friday, November 24th. Hmm. Somebody on the text line said, imagine what they would do if they were Auburn trying to get out of that contract. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. So what do you think? Is this a turnaround year for Mel Tucker and Michigan State, or does that roster worry you too much? Inexperience at quarterback, inexperience at running back? And the road trips, too, man. I mean, so in in the non-conference, you get Washington, who returns everybody and their brother to what was a good football team last year. And you're you're in Minnesota. Penn State's a neutral site game. you got to go to Columbus. I I mean, this schedule, don't compare them to your SEC schedules because it's always more difficult here. But when you're at Iowa, at Ohio State, 
when you're at Minnesota who beat you last year and you have that neutral site with Penn State paired with Washington in the non-conference, and oh, by the way, Indiana beat you last year, you got to go to Bloomington, too, in mm. front of 17,000 of uh, Bloomington's finest. That's not easy. Uh, and oh, by the way, they lost their top two receivers from a year ago. Keon Coleman transferred out, ends up at Florida State. Jaden Reed not there anymore. And those two guys combined for 113 catches, 1,400 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Quarterback gone, two best receivers gone. They get their starting running back, Jalen Berger, back. And what transfer to watch? This is actually a pretty good pickup. Jaron Mangum, who was running back at USF. He was a good player at uh, at USF, transfers in at the uh, the running back spot. So it's kind of a look at, uh, at Michigan State. Famous alumni at Michigan State. I mean, Matt Ishby has got to be in that group now, considering he's a billionaire NBA owner. Yeah. Um, and, you know. Chris Hansen uh, from Dateline, the, why don't you have a seat over there mm. guy. Michigan, uh, I mean, I know we shy away from athletes, that we have to, because... Everybody would have athletes as their most famous alums. Yeah. But Magic Johnson's more than just an athlete, isn't he? He is. I mean, he's yeah. a different level of famous, and so you kind of do have to put him on that list. So Magic Johnson has a social media manager. And if you use Twitter, follow Magic Johnson. He doesn't use social media. He tells his manager word for word what to put on there. So the tweets are his words, but he's not typing them. And guys... They are hilarious. Not because he's funny, but because they're the most obvious, like zero information. For example, he'll say, LSU beat Wake Forest 2 to nothing in the College World Series last night. Wow! Exclamation point. And like, that'll be his tweet. Like, (laughs) and he is, and apparently, they're not always side by side, so he will text this person what to put on his Twitter for him, and this person will have to do it. And it's it's mm. just stuff like that all day. It's so funny. Uh, another one, James Kahn, by the way. I, that's the where I was going next. That's kind of a sports movie guy, too. I mean, James Kahn's done so much. He's been in so many good things. What's his best role? Elf. I'm kidding. I mean, but... I, I, I mean, it's not, but it, it kind of is, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, me. He's been around uh, forever, man. Yeah, he's been... His acting career began in 1963. Um, Still looks good for 82, does James Caan. I mean, the program in 1993, there's one of your your sports movies. Uh, uh, I was just trying to see if there's anything else that really stands out in the last decade or so. Probably not going with Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, <laughs> where he was a voice in that. Yeah. James Conn, good actor. Really good actor. Michigan State, team number 71 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. We've got one more team to get to this afternoon. We'll do that uh, let's just do it coming up next. We'll yeah. continue the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days on the other side of this timeout on Sports Talk Mississippi.
You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Yes. Yes, I said something stupid. I earlier today saw a picture of De Niro, and for some reason, <laughs> in my dumb head, was like, oh, he looks good. And, oh, yeah, James Cotton. Uh, yeah. So, yes. Uh, yeah. Very dumb. De Niro uh, either just became or is about to be a father. He looks good for his age. Clearly, he functions well for his age as well. <sighs> Very dumb. Very, very dumb. No excuses. I'm dumb. It is what James, it is. James Conn, rest his soul. Rest his soul. Great and elf, among other things. I mean, Sonny Corleone in The Godfather was, I mean, that's kind of got to go to the top of the list, I feel like. Elf was great. Um, Dwayne and Brandon says, don't forget James Conn and Rollerball. Uh, we got a bunch of message it was like uh james con is yeah, dead yeah yeah oh yeah, um, james yeah. con is dead borky yes yes he yes he is so izzy he says james con an eraser with arnold schwarzenegger and vanessa williams okay and then he played the role of brian piccolo and brian song also so there you go um should we continue the countdown if we got time to squeeze in one more Team number 70 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. UAB. Despite Alabama's best efforts, still playing football. Still playing football. And with a new head coach, a head coach who has never coached a college football game. That new head coach is Trent Dilfer. UAB went 7-6 and six last year. So... Yeah, let's start with what you were saying earlier. You um, you, you wanted to talk about some comments that Trent Dilfer made, or at least I assume you were talking about Trent Dilfer and not Mel Tucker. Uh, yeah, Trent Dilfer on uh, the Rick and Bubba show on tampering said, quote, By the way, come try to get my guys. I dare you, Power Fives. I've got a pretty big platform that I can step on, and if I find you in my kids' DMs, and if I find you talking to high school coaches about my kids, if you're in my roster, I'm going to call your... Out. I'm going to say it by name to the biggest voices in television today, and it's going to make game day, and it's going to make Sports Center. By the way, those guys running Sports Center are all still my friends. So go ahead. I dare you to jump into my roster. I told the coaches in my conference the same thing. Why don't you guys have the you know what's to stand up and say, get out of my roster? I said, here's why because you want their job. I want this job. I want to live in Birmingham. I want to live downtown. I want to see my grandson. On and on and on. Okay. I just hope he means it. Because it's going to happen. Does that mean that UAB is not tampering? Maybe not moving forward. Mm. Okay. At least until a kid hits the portal, and then, of course, you contact. But I, I hope he's telling the truth. Because I, there was another article from Brian Kelly and a bunch of big-name coaches were complaining about how, how tampering is causing their assistants to work so much harder. And it's like, you're asking your assistants to, to do the same thing. So until you start naming names, shut up. I hope he's telling the truth, 
And I hope the second he finds a coach and one of his players DMs and they're not in the portal, he gets on SportsCenter like he says, because I promise you they'd let him, and he calls them out by name. If you want to stop tampering, that's how you stop tampering. That That's how you stop it. Yeah. UAB had a player that flew under the radar a year ago. He ended up getting drafted in the uh, in the NFL. Do you realize that Dwayne McBride for UAB last year had 1,700 rushing yards and 19 touchdowns on the ground? He was really good. They, uh, they also returned Jermaine Brown, who had 948 rushing yards from a season ago. Jacob Zeno is expected to be the starter. Played limited minutes uh, a season ago. So UAB last year went seven and six. They won the Bahamas Bowl over Miami of Ohio. Didn't cover, but they did win. They start the season with North Carolina A and T on a Thursday night. Go to Georgia Southern, host Louisiana. UAB goes to Georgia on September twenty third, and they follow that up with another difficult road trip. Got to go to Tulane. So it's interesting. They'll start with a non conference game with North Carolina A&T. They'll play two league games against Georgia Southern and Louisiana in the Sun Belt, and then they'll make back-to-back non-conference stops on the road in Athens, and then they got to go to Tulane in New Orleans. Then it's, um, then it's conference play the, uh, the rest of the way. So, is that right? Did I, did I mess that up with UAB? They're in the American, not the Sun Belt. That's so that correct. Louis- yeah, I'm sorry. So, yeah. But they only play, okay, four non-conference games to start the year. I'm sorry. I, the, That's the all right. It's confusing. me up just for a second. So They, they would have fit in the Sun Belt had they been given that opportunity. Yeah. Their, uh, their conference home games are USF, Memphis, FAU, and Temple. Their road games are at Tulane, at San Antonio, at Navy, and at North Texas. So that's uh, UAB. It'll be interesting to see how it works out for Trent Dilfer this year. First-year head coach at UAB, team number 70 on the countdown. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoon, starting at 3 on supertalk.fl, the Super Talk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. Checker at the end of the show today. We'd have to do a lot of extra segment in the uh, six o'clock hour if we wanted to uh, fix all the mistakes. We got the text line. It's fine. It's uh, yeah, we do. We we have real time fact checking. Jeff, we, we corrected ourselves on this one. He said UAB is not in the Sun Belt Conference. If you st- if you kept listening, I, I got to that. I again apologize because of all the conference movement. I was just off on that. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. To learn more, visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. 
Ceasefire text line is open to you, whether you're looking for the best in wireless, the best in home internet, or the best in business IT solutions. Ceasefire has you covered. The best wireless plans, the best coverage in the Magnolia State. Fiber to the home. That's gigabit fiber internet coming into your house. Not to mention the gigabit fiber internet that they have available for business in addition to other IT services. Cspire.com. That's where you go to learn more. As we start this five o'clock hour, we turn our attention to the college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. So a couple of days ago, look what I got in the mail, Michael Borky. Are you jealous? I am because I still can't jealous? get it. Yeah, little looks pre-order here too. Yeah, this is. Uh, I guess this is the national cover. Phil Steele's college football preview magazine. Got um, Kool-Aid McKinstry from Alabama on the cover, Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison from Ohio State, Cedric Van Praan from Georgia, and uh, Blake Corum from Michigan. So let's talk a little bit about what Phil Steele thinks of the Bulldogs and the Rebels. By the way, he does have Quinshawn Judkins as a preseason first-team All-American running back Alongside Blake Corum from Michigan. First time I read that, I was like, I was looking at the just the line all the way across first team, second team, third team, fourth team. And I was like, he doesn't even have Quinshawn Judkins as a fourth team All American. What's going on? And then I was like, oh, oh wait, he's got two first team All American running backs. Um, in terms of SEC guys on the first team All American offensive squad, Quinshawn Judkins from Ole Miss, Brock Bowers from Georgia, Cedric Van Praan from Georgia. Am I saying his name right? Is it Van Praan or Van Pran? I've I just said can't Braun. remember. Okay. Uh, on the defensive side, Jamon Dumas Johnson from Georgia, Harold Perkins, no shock from LSU, Kool Aid McKinstry from Alabama. So not just a ton of first team All Americans from the uh, from the SEC. But when you get to the All SEC teams, you got a bunch of guys from Ole Miss and a bunch of guys from Mississippi State. So in Phil Steele's SEC Western Division prediction, you want to take a guess as to where he's got Mississippi State? I know what Haydad would guess. Fifth. Seventh. Really? Yeah, he says this about Mississippi State. College football lost perhaps the most unique coach when Mike Leach passed. They said his offense would not work in the SEC, but last year they were 9-4. and four. Zach Arnett is not a typical new head coach, as he was a defensive coordinator and knows the players well. He's got 12 starters back, including his quarterback, Will Rogers. The Bulldogs figure to be favored in just two SEC games, but they do get Alabama and LSU at home. He says they are number 36 in my power poll, but the schedule has them here. So he's got Alabama winning the West and LSU finishing second. Hey, look, even if you think LSU is going to win the West, and a lot of people do, picking Alabama to win the West is not exactly a, a fool's errand. No. I mean, you're not you're not going too far out on a limb. He's got Texas A&M tied with LSU for second 
in the West. Ooh, Phil, I don't know, man. Ole Miss fourth. About Ole Miss, he says, I said last year Ole Miss could go 7-0, and and they did, and got to number seven in the AP poll, but faced a brutal last five games. The Rebels went 1-5 and down the stretch, including a bowl loss to Texas Tech, and finished 8-5. and This year, 16 starters are back, and Kiffin hit the portal hard again. This year, they start SEC play at Bama and also draw Georgia from the east. He points out that last year they were plus 79 yards per game in SEC play and should have another solid year. So as all SEC groups, Quinshawn Judkins from Ole Miss, first team all-SEC running back alongside Raheem Sanders, and he's got Jeremy James on the offensive line. He's got Micah Pettis on the offensive line on the SEC all-second team. Here's an interesting one. Third team all-SEC tight end, Caden Priestcorn for Ole Miss, the transfer from Memphis. Couple of Mississippi State players on fourth team All SEC from Phil Steele, Will Rogers and Cole Smith, of course, on the offensive line. And then he's got Zachary Franklin, the transfer for Ole Miss, as a fourth team All SEC wide receiver. Wow, he got that updated quick. He did. Got it done. I was right wondering if, if some of these guys were going to make it into the preview magazines, but apparently not so. all of them did, but some did. Uh, the defensive side is a little more Mississippi State heavy. Nathaniel Watson is a first-team All-SEC linebacker. Jet Johnson is a second-team All-SEC linebacker. Jaden Crumity is a fourth-team defensive lineman. The only Ole Miss player on any of the top four all-conference teams is uh, Kari Coleman. That linebacker is a fourth-team linebacker. And then Tulu Griffin is the first-team All-SEC kick returner, as he should be. And Xavion Thomas, the fourth-team All-SEC punt returner. By the way, there are three elite kick returners in the SEC. Maybe there are more than that, but three elite Tulu Griffin at Mississippi State, who's first team. Barry and Brown at Kentucky, who's second team. You remember how good he oh was in the gosh, kick game? Yeah. And then this is a name that you may not recognize. Brian Batte. He is at Auburn now. He is a USF transfer. And in 2021... Fact checkers may have to come out on this. Think this is right. He had three kickoff returns for touchdown. You may have to check. It's either two or three. I don't remember. But he is a blazer in the open field. I predict that if Brian Batiste stays healthy, he's going to be good for Auburn this year. Um, on the defensive side, for three scores in 2021 in kick returns. That's exactly right. Boom. Five seven one seventy. That is rolling. He can fly. I'm telling you, he can absolutely fly. That's a great pickup for Auburn in the transfer portal. Jet Johnson is the leading tackles per game returner in the SEC this year. He averaged 8.8 tackles per game. Nathaniel Watson is second at 8.7. 
and DeCamrian Richardson is top 15 at 6.5. How good is Mississippi State's defense going to be? I, I am curious now that Arnett's not over it. Now, I, he, you know how He's it is. He's over all of it. He's over but, all of it. Um, what it's going to look like, but I, I expect it to be very, very good again. An extremely underappreciated group of players for Mississippi State's defense. And we'll, the same thing will happen at media days, and they won't get the due respect there. Regardless of what you think about the, the team as a whole and what it's going to be, because, you know, as, as we talked about the other day, I do think through all the optimism, is not enough people saying, hey, there's a chance that year one is not a nine win season. When you have a, a coach that has been at it for over two decades tragically leave your program, and the guy that takes over has never been a head coach before, and there is a new system, and you did lose three of your top four receivers, there is a chance that that team takes a step back. There's not enough people saying that. Despite that being true, defensively they don't get enough respect, and they're not getting enough respect this offseason either. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Mississippi State's finishing last in the West. I don't, uh, they won't be my vote. I, I just, I just don't. I, I think that I mean, with a super talented returning starting quarterback and a really good defense coming back, I, I, that that just doesn't make sense to me. It's not a recipe for a last place finish in a division. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. That's your college football fix driven by Ford. Let's get hungry and have a food Friday coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. As always, to be with you alongside Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. 20 minutes after 5 can only mean one thing on a Friday afternoon. It is time for a Food Friday presented by Polk's. And Polk's Meat. You can visit them online at polksmeat.com. Uh, you can get some recipe uh, recipe ideas there. You can, uh, if, if you want some Polk's Meat merchandise, you can uh, you can do that. They sell some T-shirts and some hats and some other stuff that uh, uh, you can grab. Um, but you can also see the entire product listing. We talk all the time about the sausage, whether it's the original smoked sausage, um, the Cajun smoked sausage, the garlic and green onion sausage. It is so good. I just got to be honest. When we first started doing this, Borky, I was all about the original. And 
really, really, really like the Cajun. But the garlic and the green onion was the last package that I tried. Yeah? I was just like, eh, garlic and green onion, I don't know. Give me the Cajun seasoning. Give me the traditional. Those aren't necessarily my two favorite flavors. And then I tried it. Holy cow. The flavor in the garlic and green onion smoked sausage is really good. It's hard to beat the combination of those two things. Really, really good. You can also grab the Red Hot Lynx Sausage. You can do their larger size Hot Lynx Sausage. You can get the Sausage Dogs. And then one of my absolute favorites, the Sliced Ham for Biscuits. Now, you can get the bigger ham steaks if you want, but the Sliced Ham for Biscuits, I mean, small, is exactly what they sound like. They fit a biscuit. So if you've got the Mary B's biscuits, if you make biscuits from scratch, I don't know if anybody really does that anymore. They're super good when you do. A lot of work. So if you pull the Mary B's out of the freezer, you got one of those cans of, like, Grand's butter biscuits or, or whatever, it's exactly the right size to put on that. Overlaps on the edges just a little bit, just the right thickness. You can throw those in the skillet. You can throw them on the, uh, on the flat top. I guess if you wanted to throw them on the grill, you could do that. And they are great on biscuits. Really good Saturday morning breakfast. I said let's get hungry. I'm kind of hungry You're right now on talking, about, uh, talking about that. So if you haven't tried Polk's or if it's been a while since you've tried Polk's, give it a try. It's that bright yellow packaging with the blue Polk's and some red trim on there. You can find it at the uh, in the meat department at your local grocery store. And for the longest time, I've said if you can't find it, you know, ask the meat department. I don't know if that exists. Every grocery store that I've been to, when I go to the meat department, I specifically seek out the Polk's meat products, and they're there. At the very least, they've got the sausage. So that's not an issue. All right. So you know how this works. What are you cooking this weekend? You got a picture? Send it to us. Uh, got plans for the weekend? Let us know what they are. We'll go through some of those. Michael Borky, are you cooking this weekend? What are you cooking this weekend? Yeah, and I'm going to do a sandwich, and and I have reduced it down to a few options. I still can't decide which one, but there is a stunning lack of like quality sandwiches around here. And so I'm going to make one myself, and I can't decide which one, but I'm talking like gigantic, like big old sandwich that you hate yourself after you eat it, but you're glad you did. So I'm down to a Philly cheesesteak, but I don't slice it as thin as the traditional Philly cheesesteak. A little bit thicker slices like on that ribeye. Yeah. Don't necessarily put cheese whiz on it. No cheese whiz. No. Gosh, okay. no. No, I, I, I melt... Uh, uh, provolone? Provolone. Sometimes I'll do pepper jack if I'm feeling a little spicy. But yeah, a little thicker sliced one. Uh, a chicken parm sandwich is something that I'm, I, I've looked into and ha- have a recipe saved for. And then a classic Italian that I have uh, a good, like a gigantic one, recipe okay. saved for. And I'm going to pick one of the three when I go to the store tomorrow morning and make myself a 5,000-calorie sandwich because I've got a ton of yard work to do. I've got – like I'm going to be working from when I wake up in the morning until I'm done. It's going to take me hours. I'm going to be exhausted. I'm going to end the day and pass out after that. That's the plan. I don't even think it was still here, Borky, when you were in school at Ole Miss. But there was a sandwich shop in Oxford 
I'm not talking about Pizza Den. There are people that absolutely love Pizza Den still. There was a sandwich shop on Jackson Avenue called Deli News. I've heard so much about it. It was not open when uh, when I was there. It was so good. And uh, Carol, who was at Deli News, works at uh, at Bottle Tree now, and I see her. I don't know, two or three mornings a week when I uh, when I stop in there. But man, great sandwiches on fresh made bread, and they did not cheat you. It was uh, it was so good. Um, part of what made me think about that was somebody sent us a message a second ago that said uh, the the sandwich that you're talking about making sounds like a Dagwood sandwich from the comic strip Blondie and Dagwood, which probably also you don't remember. Not yeah. no. That's okay. It's okay. The it was comic strips ago. I think were before my time. Yeah, they used to come in the newspaper, which wasn't completely before your time, but also is uh, is a way of the past. Uh Man, I'm in an I don't know. And it's partly because I don't know exactly what the weekend holds. We don't have anything specific that's planned. Ava Montgomery's at dance camp this weekend. Um, Obi has requested salmon. So we probably will do some salmon on the grill. But if I'm going to go get fresh salmon, I'm probably going to grab a steak to throw on there as well. So it'll be like a little, kind of a little bit of a version of surf and turf. And um, that'd be good. Sounds I started great. Do, I've started doing salmon differently. For the longest time, I did kind of a uh, almost more of a sweet glaze on the salmon. It was like honey and mustard and Lowry's and some cracked pepper mixed together and then brushed on, and I would cook that on there. And I liked it, but we did that for too long, and so I've kind of switched to more of a, like a Cajun-style salmon with some olive oil and some sea salt, and then pretty good dousing of the uh, Tony Sachery's Cajun seasoning. And then I usually cook it on aluminum foil over uh, an open fire, and it's been really, really good. What about you? Ooh, we got a lot. I mean, we got a lot of folks that are cooking this weekend. Garlic and green onion, sliced pepperoni thin, and sautéed with onions and green beans. Okay, so going with the garlic and green onion sausage and sliced pepperoni, sautéed with onions and green beans. Excellent. I love it. Uh, Darren and Jackson going blackened sirloins, smoked new potatoes, and yeast rolls. You know, I have no issue with potatoes. I don't like new potatoes. I don't like the little red potatoes. I don't know why. I just it's don't. It's like the same. Yeah, but it's not. <laughs> it's the same thing, but it's a little smaller. And I, yeah, I know. I, I think it probably goes back to potatoes being in a crawfish boil, and I don't really want potatoes when I'm eating crawfish. I want corn on the cob. I want mushrooms. I want crawfish. Don't really want potatoes mixed in there. I want some sausage in there. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where I decided I didn't like them. And then it's like, you know, I just would prefer either a baked potato or mashed potatoes or French fries or tater tots or whatever. But anyway, uh, let's see here. Amanda in Pike County says, I was going to text my supper plans, but after that statement, yours, homemade biscuits with Hey Dad's favorite fruit, Fried apples and bacon, breakfast or supper. 
That's a great call. Amanda, we did that last night. Uh, Jane made a breakfast casserole and a big pan of grits, and we had some fresh fruit that went along with it, and it was great. I'm a big fan of breakfast for supper. Um, here we go. Philly and Italian are my go-to sandwiches. Borky, I think it might have been over a year since I've had a sandwich that wasn't one of those two, except for the Reuben from Broad Street in Jackson. Okay. Love a good Reuben, too. Borky, try a Stromboli. Alan, he says, good afternoon, Richard and Michael. I still make biscuits from scratch. Look at those. I finally this found them. so good. My goodness, that looks good, Alan. I applaud you. I just don't think there are a ton of people that do that anymore. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are a lot of people that still make biscuits from scratch. I haven't had a scratch-made biscuit except for at a restaurant, and sometimes I don't buy that they're actually scratch-made in years and years and years. All right. Best fast food biscuits. Go. There's only one answer. Don't get it wrong. It's Hardee's. It's Hardee's. It's Hardee's. No debate. That's a Food Friday. We'll be right back. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. for a new automobile, especially if it's a truck, especially if it's a Ford truck, do yourself a favor. Do me a favor. Check out our friends at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. They're located on Highway 6 West in Oxford. doesn't matter if you live in Oxford or the surrounding area. It's uh, it's worth the drive. They'll take care of you. And, and you don't have to just drive up blind. You can give them a call and ask about what they've got available. Make sure that the online inventory matches what they've got available on the lot. But here's what I'll tell you. The inventory of Ford F-150s right now is outstanding. They've got a bunch of different trim levels. They've got Lariats in stock. They've got XLTs in stock. They've got the trimmer package in stock. I think there's even a Lightning on the lot if uh, you are looking for the Ford Electric F-150. Um, great people. They've been a Ford dealership since 1961, but the Belk family's been in the automobile de- uh, dealer or the automobile industry since the early 1920s. They have been a big part of the Oxford community, the Lafayette County community, and they are growing and uh, it's happening quick. Their service department is growing. Uh, what they're able to do there is outstanding. And uh, they're going to treat you like family, not just going to be another number, not just another person where they can put a mark on the window to say that they sold another car. It's not what they're doing. They're going to take care of you and your needs. They'll get you in the car or truck or SUV that you're looking for. And if it's not a Ford truck, you can just ease up the hill to Oxford Toyota where they've got uh, plenty of Toyota vehicles. Whether you're looking for a 4Runner, the, uh, that Tundra is gorgeous right now. Pay them a visit. Tell them we sent you Sports Talk Mississippi, Belk Ford, Oxford Toyota, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Richard Cross and Michael Borky, Brian Haydad is out today. Hey, we we got to look at a few more of these things that people sent us that uh, that they were talking about because this is this is as good a Food Friday response as, we, response as we've had in a while. Um, 
Let's see here. I lost it. There we go. Philly cheesesteak made on the flat top with thinly sliced ribeye is hard to beat. It's such a great sandwich. I mean, that's like the one thing they do well there in Philly. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, they boo their own teams, you know, if, if that's your thing. Yeah. So they have that and sandwiches. Here we go. Thin-cut pork chops stuffed with cream cheese with sauce and sausage, then wrap it in bacon. It says I call them pig poppers. Sounds good. Uh, let's see here. Blackened salmon steak. That is Michael. Uh, Jim and Hernando says the cartoon strip was called Blondie, not Blondie and Dagwood. Thank me later. You got it, Jim. Thank you. It's later. Uh, Abel and Flowood, wife's grandmother, stopped by Spans in Grenada and scored us an entire case of crab legs for half price. He says that pairs nice with some sausage. Yeah, it does. Uh, let's see here. What we got, Borky? JP and Gula says one. The made-from-scratch biscuits happen around here when it's breakfast for supper time and three holidays. Michael Borky is correct on sandwich shops being dead in the deep-fried South. You got to make your own. Uh, make yeah. your own if you want one done right. And you can find like there are restaurants in town that have a good sandwich. You know, don't get me wrong. I, oh, yeah. I can go get. One good sandwich, but there's not sandwich shops around here. I remember I went to one in Athens where it was my favorite bar of all time. It was a sandwich shop with a beer bar. This is everything I need right here. We don't need to go anywhere else, boys. We got sandwiches and <laughs> and buckets of beer. It's the best. But we don't have anything like that around here. Just here's what we do. It is sandwiches that is like a local just sandwich shop. And that's all they do. Okay. And if there is one, somebody will tell me, yeah, and no I doubt. will go. And I, that I will go tomorrow. Hey, our buddy Ryan, Ryan Griffin at uh, Pearl River Resort, says tell Borky to make a BLT with a fried egg over easy. BLT, Ooh. madame. That sounds – and and I've been buying eggs lately. I'm, again, I'm altering my diet. You guys don't care about that. But I've got a lot of eggs at the house <laughs> right now. There you go. You can put a uh, – Fried egg on a sandwich, or oh, uh, over medium egg on a sandwich, and it's so good. I mean, there how, there are very few sandwiches where you could add one of those, and it would not be good. PB and J being one. Hey, Irish Tim in Corinth wants to know what you put on your Italian sub. Uh, so it, just the standard. Uh, I mean, it, it depends on what kind of meat you can find at my grocery store. I can't get like the super fancy stuff, but I'll do the the four meats. Um. You, you have to do the vinegar also. Don't skip that step. But, yeah, just the standard, whatever Google says to put on it, I'll bring the list to the store, put it all on there. But sometimes they don't have the vinegar. you got to put the vinegar on there. It's not that, like I don't have a special recipe. I'll just Google yeah. everything that goes on an Italian sub, and I'll just go get it. But sometimes you got to replace the meats because your store's not fancy enough. Uh, let's see here. Only scratch biscuits at my house. Good for you. I said Hardee's is the answer on biscuits for fat from fast food places. Uh, we got somebody said KFC comes in a strong second. 
Uh, David says fast food biscuits, it's a race for second. Bojangles still makes them from scratch. Big South Carolina chain there. Yeah. Or the Carolinas. Uh, we got somebody else around here. Yeah, somebody said Popeye's biscuits will slap Hardy's biscuits. How does it feel to be wrong? I don't know. <laughs> and I, I don't I don't dislike Popeye's biscuits. It's just not even close for me. Uh deer backstrap stuffed with cream cheese and jalapenos and then wrapped in bacon and grilled slowly. Just you you cannot fail with that on the menu. Not at all. Tim and Tupelo says Pasquale's was the bomb sandwich pizza place. I think there's one left around Hernando. Uh, what else have we got? Fried bologna with fried egg and bacon. From the pig and pint in Fondren. That's Greg and Jackson Borky. There's you an option. Well, that's a barbecue place. Great place. Okay. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, that's this is barbecue. That's not sandwiches. Different. They were talking about different things here. But yes, good. good yeah, fair good enough. Place. All right, and then uh, several people have said Ward's biscuits are the best. And then the last message. We'll finish our food Friday on this message. I'm so hungry right now. That makes two of us. I kind of talked myself into being hungry there uh, as we went through it. Food Friday brought to you by Polk's Meats, based in McGee, Mississippi, a Mississippi family company. When you go to the grocery store, look for the Polk's Meat package, that bright yellow label with the blue Polk's on it, because no buts about it, folks. Picky people pick Polk's. Um. How much would it cost to fire Richard Cross? I mean, if you pay me enough, I guess I'd quit. That's a big number, though, because I really like my job. You may not like me in my job, but I really like my job, and I don't think they're going to fire me. I, like, they might. Never know the future, but uh, I don't think that's in the plans right now. But if you want to offer me like a uh, a go away check, and we're sure that the check is good, how much would it cost, Borky? I don't know. Why well, I couldn't even fathom. I don't know. I think that check would have to have two commas in it, though. So if you just want me to quit, anyway. Um, I'm a little bummed we got no baseball tonight. I have really clearly, I mean, without saying, wish Southern Miss had gotten to the College World Series. That didn't happen. Wish Mississippi State and Ole Miss, either or both, and were in the College World Series. Obviously didn't happen. So we'll set that aside. I've really enjoyed the College World Series this year. It's been great. Close games, a, drama, we had another game last night. I mean, six runs is the most runs scored by any team in any game this year in the College World Series, in a year where offense dominated college baseball. Home runs were up? Way up. Way up. There were a... a, The ballpark does seem to... Like this year especially, the wind's been blowing in a lot, and there are a lot of hits that would be doubles in the gap at a regular college field that just don't get there here. Yeah. There was a ball that was caught at the track. It was Florida's, right? The one that, that sealed Florida to, to the championship series. No, the the ball that Wake Forest hit two nights ago 
that went to the warning. I don't remember if it was the one that Danny Corona hit or somebody else that got caught up against the wall. Or was that no 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 that was in the uh, that was in Florida's game against against who was it TCU Florida against TCU the ball that TCU hit the guy with the guys back against the wall would have yeah. been a home run in ninety seven percent of the major league ballparks yeah now I don't know how you get to ninety seven per I, I'm not sure that doesn't make sense the nerds are on it I guess yeah whatever. But yeah, that ball—that's a home run in every college park. In I don't know. We'll wrap it up with you on this Friday when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. What is going on here? Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sad news today in the college football coaching world. Texas A&M defensive ends coach Terry Price passed away. Uh, He was born in 1968. Hometown was Atlanta, Georgia. Played at Texas A&M in the late 80s. Started his coaching career as a volunteer at A&M in 92 and 93. Then went to Bowling Green and coached at Western Kentucky. He was on... Staff at Ole Miss from 1995 to 1998 was defensive line coach on Tommy Tuberville's staff. Went with Tommy to Auburn. Was there from 99 to 2008. Back to Ole Miss for three years, 2009 to 2011. Went to Texas Tech in 2011 and had been back at Texas A&M since 2012. And um, I got a message from a friend today that was telling me about that. Um Said he was a dear friend and just one of the all-time good guys. Said cherished his time playing and coaching at Ole Miss and in Oxford. Um, I'm sorry, playing at Texas A&M and really all of his stops. I saw Billy Lucci tweeted something just a, a second ago, and obviously this makes a little more sense when you're talking about the fact that he played at Texas A&M, started his coaching career, and now was back at Texas A&M. He said, heart's breaking for Terry Price and his family, one of the best human beings I've had the pleasure of knowing, and truly an all-time Aggie. Keep his family in your prayers. And I was just thinking that, you know what, I kind of feel like the people in Oxford and the people in Auburn and probably the people in Bowling Green and the people in Lubbock would kind of consider him an all-timer too, just because of who he was as a, as a person. So um, rest in peace to Terry Price. Sad, sad news. Still a young man, man, born in 1968. That's that's young man stuff there. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Glad to be with you. Borky, is there, uh, you, you said a lot of yard work this weekend? Buddy, I am almost done replacing the boards on my deck. And the only reason why I say I'm almost done, it, it's not a a labor thing. I, I could do it 
in a few hours, it's a cost thing. I don't know. If, oh, buy like buy a few boards at a time and replace them. That, and then, then, yeah, okay. That's what I've been Lumber's doing. Expensive. Oh my Jeez, gosh, it's expensive. I, I mean, I, I did the math, and if I was going to do the whole deck at one time, it, it, it just like I'm not going to reveal personal information about myself, but it would have it would have not been good if I'd have done that all at at once. So. Uh, yeah, I should be able to get close to finishing that job. Uh, you know, over time, like all of my beds, I really like azaleas, and I've planted some in place of all the crap that was in the yard, just overgrowth over decades of mismanagement, if you want to call it that. Uh, but those beds are not defined, really, and I've been using a, a, a edger to kind of edge them out, but I really want to make them more defined and that kind of stuff. Just be, just. Uh, an all-encompassing day of everything in the yard that I could possibly do. Edging, obviously cutting, trimming all the trees, uh, getting a few more azaleas, fixing my deck, all that crap. And I, I, my plan is tomorrow, when I wake up, hit the yard, and work until I physically can't anymore. Make it look really nice. And, uh, yeah, that, that's the plan. i got to take advantage of this, you, you know, because football season comes quick. And... As goofy as it sounds, my Saturdays are occupied with the things that do pay the bills. And so I can't spend a Saturday doing yard work all day long when my job is dependent on yeah, you me. Gotta, you got to be done by like 11. Gotta be ser- yeah. <laughs> get after it early and uh, you got you got a three-hour window. So all the home projects have to be done in, the, in, in this 70-day window. You know, we finally started getting, we, we've been getting the rain. We finally got the sun and the warm temperatures. And the grass is popping. And I've been cutting my yard really low this year. Like, I like it low. Where it, I mean, it's never going to look like a golf course. I don't have a real mower. Um, and my yard's not smooth enough to even be able to cut with that if I had one. So it's never going to look like that. But, I mean, I was cutting it low with the mower. Yeah. And I'd let it grow a little bit just because I wanted it to kind of thick up and get plush. I let it grow and, like, my wife and kids were like, oh, man, we sure do like the yard thick like this, a little bit taller. It's like, okay. So I cut the grass earlier this week, and I cut it like an inch and a half taller than I had been. It's got to be cut again already. I'm like, what are we doing now? This is, this is, we, we can't get back into this cutting it two times a week thing. You but, know, guys, maybe you just have to like it how you, how I like it, okay? Yeah, yeah, that, uh, that might be the, uh, might be the case. Thanks for being with us. Fun Friday afternoon with you. College World Series gets back going again tomorrow night. Maybe enjoy some time with, uh, with family or friends. Uh, enjoy some time around the grill this weekend. Always good to be with you. From the Pearl River Resort Studios, we wish you a pleasant weekend. For Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. We'll talk to you on Monday. Good night.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.